a campaign. <clears throat> this is not just about life groups. However, it runs in succession with life groups. They coincide with each other. But the deal is this. Starting on February the 19th, we will enter into the transformed campaign that will last for seven weeks. It takes us all the way to April 2nd, which is two weeks before Easter. Easter is only 10 weeks away right now. Can you believe that? I cannot believe it, but it is only 10 weeks away. And um, so we're right in the middle of the transformation or transformed series. And we really want you to be a part. There's, there's really no breaks in it. Typically, a life group would have, you know, a break right in the middle or whatever. We're going to run seven weeks. And what I preach on Sunday morning, which on the 19th is going to be spiritual uh, transformation, and how do, how do we get closer to God? That's the name of the message. Then that week in life group, whether it be Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, whatever night of the week, <clears throat> that's what you'll be studying in life group. That's where a gold nugget from Pastor Rick Warren, who's going to do a 25-minute devotion via video in every one of the life groups, no matter where you're at, whether you're in Brunswick or Tarboro or wherever, that's, that's what's going to happen. And then there's going to be a short Q&A. There's going to be places for you to write down um, some answers, and then there's going to be a place every single day for you to do a devotion, every day, all the way back to Sunday, and then that gets you to the next message. And that's what's going to make you successful in setting godly goals, because you're going to revisit this journal every single day. Scriptures are there. In fact, the leader's journal uh, is the identical, it's only one journal, whether you're leading a group or whether you're the participant, everything is identically the same. So if you're interested in leading one of those groups, please see Brother Ken or Sister Stacia um, after. If you can't find them, tell me and I'll, I'll relay the message. But anyway, <clears throat> today I want to turn your attention to Romans chapter 12. This message is a precursor to the series that actually starts in two weeks from today. And it comes out of Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to read it probably from uh, the Message Bible. But it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed. Say that with me. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So in other words, if you want to change what you do, you've got to change the way you think. You have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, um, God does not, you know, God wants you to be a nonconformist. The world wants you to just sort of conform to the mold of the cookie cutter mentality. You know, you're a little Christmas tree, Christmas tree, Christmas tree, snowman, snowman, snowman. And that's the way the world kind of wants it for you. But God said, I want you to be a nonconformist. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, God created you to be unique, and the world wants you to conform. Are you with me? God gave you your own unique footprint, fingerprint, voice, heartbeat. God doesn't make clones. Man does. But the problem is that we start off as originals, but then we end up as a copy of what somebody wants us to be. Are you hearing me say amen? Um, in the next seven weeks, we're going to look at seven key areas of our life, and we're going to be talking about all of the, the spiritual health, the, the financial health, the mental relational health, the vocational health. What, vocational health? Yeah. In other words, we're going to be talking about, are you just going to a J-O-B? Are you just going to a job just to feed the kids and feed mom and, and, and do this? Or are you doing what God has called you to do the rest of your life? So um, 
I want to explain seven key features as we go through this, and I've mentioned those. Um, I want us to set some goals for our life. You see, and a lot of times you come to church, and we preachers, we talk about our problems. Uh, you know, we talk about pressures in life. But this series and this campaign is totally different. How is it different, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. This series is about your potential. This series is about the possibilities in your life. It is about your future and making the best of what's left of our lives. Amen? Now, I don't know about you, but I want to make the best of what's left of my life. I think we've accomplished some wonderful things thus far, but I feel like God would have me do some greater things in the balance of my life, whatever's left. And I don't know if that's a day or six months or six years or, 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 or 30 years. But I want to begin today, if I may, by talking about six reasons you need, you need to set goals in your life. Six reasons you need to set goals. Some of you have not set any goals, and then some of us have just daydreamed about things, but we've not written anything down. First of all, I want you to understand that goal setting is a spiritual responsibility. Goal setting is a spiritual responsibility. Do you know that God sets goals? He sets goals for the universe. He sets goals for the earth. He sets goals for history. He sets goals for eternity. And God certainly wants you to set some goals for your life. He does. The Bible tells us that Jesus set goals. In fact, he often announced publicly, well, here's where I'm going to go next, and this is what I'm going to do after that. Every person who walked with God in the Bible, we can find an example of where they set some goals in their life. In fact, the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest characters in the Bible, said in Philippians chapter 3, and I'm going to read from the Message Bible, he said, I know that I'm not yet what God wants me to be. Anybody agree with that? I know that I'm not yet what God wants me to be. I know some of you probably feel differently. But I know that I'm not yet what God wants me to be. He said, but I know that I'm not yet what God wants me to be, but I, have reached, I haven't reached that goal, but I keep moving toward it to make it mine because Christ made me and saved me for this. I know that I've not yet reached my goal, but there's one thing that I always do. Forgetting the past and straining toward what is up ahead, I keep my eyes focused on the goal. It's not by accident that we just finished a refocus series. Paul said, I keep my eyes focused on the goal so that one day I may win the prize. You see, so a problem with us is we want instant gratification. It's kind of like macaroni and cheese. We want to just throw it up in the microwave and bam, it's ready in three minutes. But no, no, God wants us to, Paul said, I've got some goals in my life. He said, and it's going to take a little while, but one day, if I keep on meeting these little goals, and I, this short term and this short term, one day, I'm going to arrive at a long-term goal that God has given me. Amen. Give him praise. He said, one day I'm going to win the prize that God has called me to receive through Christ Jesus in the life above. All of you, watch this, who are spiritually mature should think this same way too. He said, every one of us that are spiritually mature, we ought to think this same way too, that God has given me an upward goal. God has given me something to work on. Listen, now, here's what he said. He talked about that goal, my goal, and the goal. <laughs> Paul was oriented. He said, I haven't reached that goal. I haven't yet reached my goal, and yet my eyes are focused on the goal. 
Y'all with me? That's, that's pretty sweet, amen. So why is it important for us to set a goal? Because setting a goal is a responsibility. It is a spiritual responsibility. Let me tell you, here's how you live. You either live by design or by default. What that means is you design it, you plan it, you orchestrate it, you think about it, or you just sort of live by default. I'll give you an example. Several months ago, uh, several, uh, over a year ago, I had a feeling that broke out of a, a, a second molar, a pretty big tooth. Uh, I mean, this, and the feeling broke out, and you know, I said, well, uh, hmm, nerve ain't exposed. It's a little sharp. Cut my tongue every now and then, but I can live with it because it costs so much to get it fixed. Y'all with me? Say amen. You probably wouldn't do that, but I did. And um, so I went on about it, you know, and I'm chewing along, and I realized I got to start eating on the other side. I got to start chewing over here because it's a little hurting over here. And it got, pretty soon it got hurting when I drank something cold. It got hurting when I drank something hot. And uh, anyway, I just, uh, it was important for me to get it fixed. But I, I rocked on. And then one day, I woke up. And it was hurting, man. I mean, it was like, boom, 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 boom. And it was no longer important. It was urgent. Hello? And I said to my wife, I don't care if the insurance pays for it or not. I'm fixing to call the man, and we're going to get this taken care of one way or the other. Why? Because, you see, I wasn't living by design. I was just sort of living by default. When it got hurting bad enough, I decided I'm going to do something about it. It's kind of like you know your car needs an oil change. You know it needs oil change. You don't change it, and you don't change it, and you don't change it. And you just keep on going until the oil is almost like water. It ain't lubricating nothing. And one day, boom. It was important to change the oil Two years ago, now it's urgent because the motor's blown. Are you with me? You live by design or default. And the deal is you get to plan your calendar. If you don't plan your calendar, the world does. Let me help you. If you don't have goals, you have abdicated control of your life to somebody or someone else. If you don't have goals for your life, you are li you're not even living. You're just reacting to whatever happens. Well, had a flat tire, got to change it. Well, uh, pipe busted at home, I got to call in for work to, to fix this. Well, this happened. You're just sort of living a life of reaction. You're not proactive about anything. You don't plan nothing. Ooh, that one stung a little bit. I felt it bounce back. But you're not setting any goals. You're just living by default rather than by design. And God don't want, you're just existing. You don't have any clear goals. You're just coasting through life. You're just drifting. And whenever you're coasting, you're always going downhill. Mm -hmm. If you don't have goals for your life, you've already decided to let other people run your life. If you don't have any goals, you see, because you know, you don't know what's important, so you're going to let everybody else decide what's important for you. You don't schedule your own time and your own meeting, so whatever else pops up, that just seems to be the thing to do. And then you react to the circumstances that you go through your whole life, wasting your life because you haven't clarified what's important in your life. This is so very important, spiritual discipline, that you plan your own life. One of the things I've started doing is on Sunday night. On Sunday night, to just start thinking for 15 or 20 minutes about the most important things I need to get done Monday through Thursday of this next week. Are y'all with me? Say amen. What, what is the most important thing I need? You see, goals, not only are they a spiritual responsibility, goals are statements of faith. Let me, let me help you with that. A lot of people think a goal, well, isn't that something that businesses do? Yes. 
they are concerned about their overhead. They're concerned about their profit margin and the bottom line and all that stuff. But think of it like this. Goals, um, uh, they are for spiritual people as well. In fact, Jesus Christ, uh, he set goals. And God wants us to set goals I believe by faith that God wants me to accomplish this or that by such and such day or time. See, a statement of faith is, is like this. We, we have to do something that stretches our faith. We can't just, just say, well, I, I, you know, if I'm going to just pledge, a Pastor, I'm going to pledge $20 for the mission trip. Well, you got $250 in your pocket. There ain't no real challenge. I've already received the offering. Don't fall out with me. I don't care if you give the 20 or not. God's going to provide for the mission one way or the other. So I'm just saying, God wants us to do things. Let me tell you this. When, when we embarked upon doing this building, you know, we was debt free. And uh, so, so we didn't have but about 200 people. And in fact, when we embarked, we didn't have that. But then I'm thinking to myself, well, they said, well, it's going to cost, you know, almost $2 million to build this thing. And your payment's going to be about $10,300. 10 what? And my heart was like pitter-patter, pitter-patter. And I'll never forget when Frankie Tyson asked me to build a house in Guatemala. He said, don't come and just preach, man. Won't y'all come build a house and preach? I said, well, how much does it cost to build a house? $10,000. I said, man, that's a whole month. That's church payment. We can't just do that. And he said, you'll never know unless you try. Amen. And I'll never forget when I was scared out of my mind about building this building. Uh, Bishop Ray Garner, I had the opportunity last past week, uh, I had to fly to Chattanooga. He, he picked me up at the airport, took me to Cleveland. I was at the international office for some, some things that we're going to embark upon later this year and next year. And um, I, I, I was there, and he brought back some memories to me because I'll never forget when the banker called me and said, we're $200,000 short of doing this project. And I remember calling him and said, Bishop, he was overseer of the state. I said, I, I, I'm going to tell you something, I am scared. He said, Pastor... Mike, or he didn't say, he said, Michael. He said, let me say this to you. He said, do you have faith in God? I said, yes, I got faith in God. He said, if you ain't got no faith in God, just go work at McDonald's. He said, don't take no faith to just, just go get paid. But if you really believe God and God is in this and God told you to do this, hold your head up and come to Tifton on Monday and we're going to get this worked out. <laughs> Hello? And then I said, I, I know you're saying all of that. But I'm scared. He said, I forbid you to say I'm scared anymore concerning this. He said, you say I'm excited. And I told Kelly that, and she said, well, you be excited. I'm scared. <laughs> so I had him on the speakerphone one day, and I, he, he, he was telling me all this encouraging stuff, and I was having to be the middleman and relay it to Kelly and hope she got the vision. So I just hit the speakerphone. I said, hey, Bishop, talk. You know? So he, he said... Brother Michael, you know what the Bible said about this? I said, no, no, what, what did it say? He said, he said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, you either believe it or you don't. Wow, that sort of set things in order, don't it? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. And he just sort of gave me that shot in the arm and said, I know this is a challenging goal. It's going to stretch your faith. But you know what? The things that used to just scare me to death don't even bother me no more. Amen? But I got bigger challenges now because we got another 20 acres to develop. Are y'all hearing me now? That $2 million don't even scare me no more, but 10 does. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> Are y'all with me? Say Amen. 
And I want to listen. I want to live the balance of my life. I'm not tiptoeing around the tulips. I'm saying, God, if you've got a godly goal for me, I will listen to me. You can't hang on to the tree all day. Get out on the limb. That's where the fruit is at. Goals are a statement of my faith you see. A statement of my faith. Without faith, the Bible said, it is impossible to please God. That's what Romans said. So if you don't have any goals, then you don't have any faith. Amen? And if you don't need any faith, then it's impossible. The Bible says it's impossible to please God. In fact, Romans 14 says, without faith, or whatever's not a faith, is sin. Ooh. So if I'm going through life without any goals, I don't need to take any risk. And if I don't need to take any risks, I don't need to have any faith. And if I don't have faith, I'm unfaithful, and that is sinful. It's getting quiet on me. You see how important it is to have a goal for every area of your life. That's why we're going to talk about physical goals, financial goals, mental goals. I mean, these being transformed in all these areas of our life. Listen, um, I can imagine some pretty big things. And the Bible says that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I could ever ask. Or think, whoo, child, I can think some pretty serious things. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Pastor Rick Warren, uh, 40 years ago, wrote down a 40-year goal. He said, I'll never forget. He said, when I was just a, a small gathering of 100, 200 people, and the Lord spoke to me and said, buy 150 acres in Orange County, California. He said, we began to get among ourselves. We said, we're going to buy 150 acres in Orange County, California. And it's going to cost millions and millions and millions of dollars. You understand what I'm saying? Orange County, California. And he said, word got out on the street in Orange County that that little group of believers called Saddleback, is going, they said they're going to buy 150 acres in Orange County. Who in the world do they think they are? He said, that was the word. He said, but that was the wrong question. The question is, who do you think my God is? Hello? That, let me take you back to our situation. We built this church in the height of the recession. We built this church when they said banks won't loan any money. We built this church when they said, you are crazy. People ain't going to church. They quit in church. Yet we built it to the glory of God. Let me tell you this. If God can make flowers bloom in the desert, God can do anything. He, the Bible says don't despise the day, the day of small things because with God is in it, little is much if he's there. Give the Lord praise. You see, you need to understand that we have a God that is very, very big. Big God can help us accomplish a big goal. Tiny God, tiny goal. Y'all with me? Let God determine the size of your goal. Listen, what I'm saying is this. You're going to need a goal that is going to stretch you. Don't, don't ask God to help you accomplish something that you know you can do next week. But listen, if my goal is so big, that I paint myself into a corner, and if God don't show up, I am wrecked. That's the kind of goals I'm talking about. You know, after we'd already printed T-shirts, groundbreaking, November of 2012, and all that, and I remember we had to tear them shirts up and, uh, because that didn't work out. You know, the bank didn't let it work out. It was another six months, another eight months. And then so we set another goal. Well, we're going to groundbreak right here. And I remember the trials that come along and the hardships and this one said no, and that one said no, and God said go. 
Are y'all with me? Say amen. I dare you to dream a big dream, a dream so big that after you've printed the T-shirts and after you've put word out all over town that we are going to build out there, future home of. Man, that sign must have sat out there for seven years. People said, I didn't know y'all even existed. I, I thought it was never going to happen, but I'm going to tell you something. If you write down a goal and every day you take a baby step or another step, one day you're going to arrive at that goal. That goal stretched me, but God was preparing me for goals that would stretch me even more. When you learn that God was with me and he sustained me in this goal, and this goal scared me to death, but God got me through it, then he can take you to this one, and then he can take you to this one. Let me say this. Here's the deal. There's two common mistakes. We set goals too low, and we try to accomplish them too quickly. Amen? In other words, um, we oftentimes overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what we can do in 10. You see, um, oftentimes we, we, we think we can just win the world in one year. Pastor Rick said this. He couldn't do it in one year. He said, but in the next 10 years, we're going to carry the gospel to every nation. You see, but we often overestimate what we can do this year and underestimate what God would have us do in 10 years. I'd have never, never dreamed. But I'm going to tell you something. We've set some lofty goals, and God is helping us. You know, here's the cool thing about dreaming. It don't cost a dime. Dreaming don't cost anything. Uh, you know, what do I dream about my relationships? What do I dream about my career? What am I dreaming about my finances? What am I dreaming about my relationship with God? What am I dreaming about my ministry and the rest of the life that God gives me? You can dream, and it'll just be a daydream. But if you'll put a date on it and say, step one is this. I'm going to accomplish this. Then, I'm going, then it becomes a goal. Amen. Let, let me say this. Instead of thinking puny little bitty goals, try to think of something that if God don't show up, you're going to look like the biggest fool that ever hit the big top. And that's the kind of goal that God honors. You see, I, I was in Cleveland, Tennessee at our international headquarters the other day, and I had an opportunity. How many of you know Perry Stone? Manifest on, on television. All that. Perry Stone's a great, great man of God. I had an opportunity, and I've had an opportunity to... Uh, you know, be on the stage with him only once in my life. I did the devotion. He was preaching that night at South Georgia camp meeting. But nonetheless, Brother Ray Garner's good friends with him. Brother Garner's the, the, the overseer that told me, basically, don't let me hear you say I'm scared no more. I spent the night with he and his wife. They sort of shuttled me around as I was in Cleveland last Monday and Tuesday. And he took me that night, as he picked me up in Chattanooga, he took me to Perry's big sprawling 150-acre complex, and he showed me the big ministry center where they have prayer and where they have three or four big conferences, see about 3,000 people, just crazy. That's where he records manifest and all that stuff. Then he took me to his, the other side of property where the warehouses, where they store their, uh, and ship their books and CDs, videos, and all that stuff. And then he showed me all of this, this huge expansion. Then he said, and just over there through the woods is Cleveland Airport and sets a $30 million Learjet paid for. Are you with me? Now, now, what I'm saying is this man, Perry, is a giver. Perry ain't no name it and claim it preacher. He ain't no, you know, send me $20 and I'll send you a little bottle of oil. Well, $20 wouldn't get that one. It'd probably be $200 I'll give you a little bottle of oil or something. He's not doing that kind of stuff. He's the real deal. 
And Brother Garner said, Michael, he said, I knew Perry when he was 19 years old. He said, when he was 19 years old, he told me he would build this. When he was 19 years old, he said, God will have him do voice of evangelism, that God will give him this kind of ministry. He said, he told me 30 years ago this would happen. And he wrote goals down. And he said to me, this is what can happen if you will let God set some God-sized goals in your life. Come from a great spiritual father of mine. And I want to tell you something. If you will allow God to set some goals in your life, set some godly goals and set them goals by faith. Let me say this. In 10 years, some of you will not be with us. In 10 years, some will be gone on to heaven or hell. In 10 years, some will be married, some will be divorced. In 10 years, you will either be the man of God that God intended you to be or maybe not. Here's the deal. You will never be who God intended you to be unless you intend to be who God intended you to be. Ladies, you'll never be the woman that God intends you to be unless you intend to be. And the way you intend to be is you write down some goals. You set some goals and say, by faith, I'm going to do this. Men, you'll never be the man that God intends you to be unless you intend to be the man that God intends you to be. Here's what the Bible says in Matthew, 20, or Matthew 9 and 29. According to your faith, it will be done unto you. So God is saying, you get to choose how much I bless you. Just ever how much faith you got. <laughs> he said, uh, I'll bless your life. Uh, how much I transform your life, great faith will be a great transformation. Nothing happens in your life until you start dreaming. God says you get to choose, and according to your faith, it'll be done. So I'm going to encourage you to start setting some goals. I'm going to encourage you to, to have faith because when you start setting goals, you start thinking about, well, what can I do? And you're thinking about, what can I do in the flesh? What can I do with God's help? All things. Amen. Don't ever be afraid to go out on a limb. Listen, um, the third reason you need to set goals is it causes you to focus, uh, goals focus my energy. Let, let me say this. The sun is the, the biggest light in the world. But it's diffused. Yeah, you will get a sunburn if you go out and expose yourself to it long enough. But here's the deal. If you concentrate that light, uh, you can concentrate light so to the point that it becomes a laser that will cut steel. So you can dibble and dabble and do this. And, you know, I sort of haphazardly set a goal. I go to church on January and show back up again about Christmas and, you know, whatever. Sort of dibble, dabble here and there and never be focused on nothing. But if you concentrate those things and you focus that light, you can cut steel and kill cancer and do all kind of things. You have to be focused. The world is full of distractions. Listen, you can spend your life, you can waste your life, or you can invest your life. Let me challenge you to write some goals and invest your life into something that's going to matter when you're gone. Amen. Give him praise. 1 Corinthians 9 and 26, Paul said, I do not run without a goal. I fight like a boxer who's hitting something, not just beating the air. He says, I'm not playing around here. I'm not playing air guitar. Message Bible, you realize. I'm not just pretending I'm boxing. When I box, I fight to win. I, when I run a race, I run to win. I'm not just messing around with my life here. It's too important. Let me say this. Life is too important to abdicate control to somebody else, to just live by default rather than living by design. We've only got so many days left, so many more sunrises. 
So let's plan big. Let's set big goals and watch a big God help us meet them. Paul said, I don't run without a goal. See, some of you are running without a goal. As a result, you're just running in circles. Listen, you're caught up in the rat race, and you don't want to, uh, you don't want to run a rat race because even if you win, you're still a rat. So then goals keep me going. Goals keep me going. Goals help me uh, to have hope to endure. They help me to persist, you see. Jesus endured the cross and the agony and the shame and the spitting. Why? He had a goal. He had a goal to reach down and grab the hand of man and reach up and grab the hand of his father and bring us back together again at Calvary. Huh? To become the supreme sacrifice that was needed to redeem you and I. He had a goal in mind to come and get us and to redeem us. And it kept him going. When he was in the garden and he said, Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will. I have a goal. I have something in mind. And so he said, I'll do whatever I have to do. See, the Bible says that God wants to make us have hope. If you don't have a goal in your life, and there's any goals in your life, you don't really have a reason to get out of bed except maybe to eat. But, but really, why, why even get out of bed if you don't have a goal, if you don't have something? See, Job said this in 6 and 11, I don't have the strength to endure. I don't have the strength to go on. He says, I do not have a goal. Why? He said the next verse, because I do not have a goal that encourages me. I want to tell you something. When it gets tough, if you just look and say, you know what, if I can just hold on a little longer, man, all of a sudden you get encouraged because of the goal. Did you know they done a study about the Holocaust. If you remember, Hitler killed 6 million Jews. The Nazi machine killed millions and millions of Jews, gays, lesbians, Christians, whites, whoever. It just, they, they didn't care. They killed anybody they didn't like, sent them to the gas chambers. You remember that? You've studied it. Well, they done a study about the survivors. And they discovered the one thing in common was that each one of them said, I had something to look forward to. They believed that one day they would be done, that one day they would be free, and they had something to look forward to. They had a goal. So uh, I tell you, there's been many, many, many times where I felt like giving up. On Monday mornings, when I get what Pastor Rick calls PMS, post-message syndrome, what that means is somebody could have preached it better Somebody could have enlisted more life group attendees. Somebody could have changed more lives. Someone could have been more eloquent. Someone could have done this, and I wouldn't have to have all the pressures of all of this, and especially on a bad day. Maybe the numbers are really down. Maybe somebody turned in their resignation, and you get post-message syndrome. What is it that lifts me back up? I'll tell you what it is. The goals that I have set. The goal is where the Lord said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, but I'll go with you all the way even unto the end. No matter what happens, no matter who walks, I am still with you, and I'm going to help you accomplish that that you have written down. It keeps me going. So see, when you've got a long-term goal, it will help you survive short-term disappointments and discouragements. Did you hear me? If you've got a long-term goal, that will help you survive short-term setbacks. Everybody has setbacks. Everybody blows it. Everybody has mistakes. Everybody has failures. Everybody, um, here's the thing. You cannot succeed in life without failing. 
Let me tell you, why? Because that's how you learn what works and what don't. So never call failure, failure. Call it an education. Some of us are well educated. (laughs) Amen? Why? Because we failed a lot of times. But here's the key to it. Fail fast. When something fails, say, thank you, Lord, for the education and get up and try something else. The difference in a failure and a successor or a success story is failures are those who fall down and wallow in the muck and the mire and refuse to try to get up. A winner says, you know what, I'm down, but I'm not out. Amen. Learn to fail fast. Goals keep me going. Listen, a goal doesn't have to be very big to motivate you. I mean, if, you, if, if you've had a debilitating uh, illness or sickness, your goal might be just to sit up in the bed. Your goal might be just to put your feet on the floor and, and to stable yourself with the walker. That's a lofty goal if you've been sick for months. But then there's times we need to set greater goals. All of these small goals, they're important to get you to your other goal. Listen, if you're discouraged right now, I want to tell you something. You need to set some new goals. You need to set some new goals. You see, goal setting is a spiritual responsibility. It is a statement of faith. It focuses my energy, and it keeps me going. It keeps me going. Listen, and fifthly, goals build my character. Goals, you see, if you get a vision, you get a goal, and God says, I can do this with you. I can work with you. Listen, the greatest benefit to your life over the goals is not what you do that you wrote down, but the greatest benefit is what God does in you while you're accomplishing those things you wrote down. In other words, God's doing something on the inside. God is more interested in the character he's building in you than he is your accomplishment. You see, it is wonderful if we just stay true to something long enough to finish it. You see, while I'm working on that, God's working on me. You see, Paul said, I keep striving toward the goal. You see, you'll never become that that person that you want to be unless you intend to be. So, last but not least, good goals are going to be rewarded. Good goals are going to be rewarded. Listen, if you have good goals, there's, they're going to be rewarded in two ways. They'll be rewarded here on earth and they'll be rewarded in heaven. Good goals, you see. When you have a good goal, it brings respect. Proverbs 11 says, if your goals are good, you'll be respected. So if your goals are bad, it only follows that you won't be respected. 1 Corinthians 9.25, Paul says this, all athletes practice strict self-control. They eat right, they sleep right, they work out, they exercise. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. He said, but we do what we do for an eternal prize. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in mind. So let me ask you this as I close. What kind of goals does God bless? What kind of goals does God bless? God blesses goals that honor him. When you set a goal, you need to ask yourself these questions. Will this goal honor God? 
See, 1 Corinthians 6 and 20 says, God paid a great price for you, so use your body to honor God. Will this goal honor God? Will it make, uh, will it make God happy? The second question, is this goal motivated by love? You see, God is not going to bless a goal that's motivated by greed. I want to make a lot of money, Pastor. God's not going to bless a goal that's motivated by competition. I just want to be better than everybody else. God's not going to bless a goal that's motivated by envy. God's not going to bless a goal that is motivated by uh, guilt or grief or grudge. He's not going to honor a goal that is built on worry and fear and anxiety. God's not going to bless a goal that's motivated by materialism or ego or pride. But God's going to bless a goal that is motivated by love. Amen. God's going to, so when you start writing things down, does this honor God? Is this thing motivated by love or is this all about me? And listen, when you set a goal out of love, God, I want to do this because I love you. I want to do this because I love your people. God's going to honor that because it is all about love. Everything you do has got to be done with love. You see, if your goal is not out of love, then you're, you're going to run over people to get to your goal. You're going to run over your marriage to get to your goal. You're going to run over your friends to get to your goal. You're going to run over other people to climb the ladder. God says, no, you got it all wrong. It's not about your accomplishments, but it's about relationships. And lastly, will this goal of mine require me to depend on God? <laughs> Again, I want you to pick out a goal that says, man, if God don't show up, I'm in trouble. See, because then you can't walk out and say, well, I done this because of who I am I was able to accomplish this because of what I have I was able to accomplish no 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 but if you got a God sized goal that is so big that if he don't show up you're wrecked you'll fall down in humility and say yeah I've made it here because my God helped me if my God had not helped me there ain't no way I could be here no way I could have done this or accomplished this so let me give you three necessities, and then we're going to pray. When it comes to writing a goal, you need God's Spirit to empower you. The Bible says it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my Spirit, says the Lord. You need to understand that the goal that you write, don't write something you can do in your own self. That's no big deal. Write something that if God don't help you, it ain't going to get done. I need, that's the first necessity, I need God's Spirit to empower me. Secondly, I need God's Word to guide me. Let me talk to you real quick about the premise and the promise. God spoke to Joshua, the, the um, successor of Moses. He spoke to him and he said, he said, keep this book, the Bible, keep the law on your lips, recite it. Day and night, read it, that you may carefully follow what is written in it. Then you will successfully attain your goals. So what he said, here's the premise. Read the book. Write the book. Instill this word in you. That's the premise. Here's the promise. Then you will successfully attain your goals. Let me give you another one. The premise is, if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... Then, the promise, I will hear from heaven. 
Huh? I'll be their God. They'll be my people. I'll heal their land. The premise and the promise. You do your end of it and God says, I'll do my end of it. You set your goals. You write your goals. Make sure it honors God. Make sure it's motivated by love. And when you do those things, you do the premise and he'll do the promise. Well, keep that book of the law. And let me say this. When you reach that goal, it won't be because Tony Robbins motivated you. It won't be because Oprah motivated you or Dr. Phil. It'll be because Dr. Jesus. Huh? Are you with me? Let me say this. Today is Super Bowl Sunday, as you can see. Go Dirty Birds. Anyway, uh, nonetheless, let, let me give you an illustration. For those of you, we're about to, to, to come down, and I want to encourage every single person to get in community with, in a church as large as ours now. Unless you're involved in a life group, guess what? You're not really in community. You see people, and you wave at them, and you think you recognize them from Sunday before but you're not really doing community with them because you can't because it's, it's just too big. You don't even know who was here in the first service and most people work so late Wednesday night or else just don't come. On Wednesday, you don't have that kind of give and take. So we have to do community together. And let me say this. A life group, which is in this instance, seven or eight, nine, 10, 12 people, maybe 15, that gets together and on, in this particular group, I'm going to preach a message on Sunday morning, and then in life group on Sunday night or Monday night or Tuesday, whatever your group is, there's going to be a short 25-minute uh, after you eat, obviously. You've got to have some fellowship. But after you do that and fellowship with one another and community with one another, 25-minute with Pastor Warren is going to play. That's where you're going to get the gold nugget in life group that you can't get here. It's going to be incredible. I promise you, I've already, I've already been there. And then you're going to discuss what he talked about. You'll discuss some of what I talked about. And then you're going to ask yourself those questions. What did God say to me in this tonight? What does God want me to do? You're going to write some things down, some goals. And, and what am I going to do as a result? And then it's going to say, talk to God. And then you're going to write down your conversation. Just, you know, what do you think the Lord's saying to you? And we're going to do that every, listen, we're going to do it corporately on Sunday morning and then in life group, but then individually every single day for 50 days there's a devotion. It's a one page. Take you one minute to read it and answer that question. What did you hear? What do you think? What will you do? And now let's talk to God. A roadmap for success. You cannot do this for 50 days and not be transformed. You just can't do it but we're transformed in community. You know what the Bible said in the New Testament? They ate their meat with gladness and singleness of heart and they met in house to house and broke bread daily. I haven't forgot about Super Bowl. I told you, Super Bowl Sunday. And if you're not in community with a group, and they're, and they're all over the place, from St. Mary's to Woodbine to Folkestone to Brunswick and whatever. But if you're not involved in a group, you're like a, a football player that's got hold of the ball and he's running down the field. Man, he's digging just as hard as he can dig. But he ain't got no blockers. He don't have nobody to block for him. Nobody to clear the way for him. If you're trying to make it through life outside of a small group, that's how you're doing it. You're just hoping you don't get hit. Hello? And let me tell you what the odds are. The odds are that you're going to get hit. The odds are that you're going to get leveled. 
But when I'm in a group and I've got seven or eight or ten or whatever, I've led so many groups around here. I've led a couple of parenting groups. I've led the Holy Spirit Life group. I've led Bible X and various things. But, but let me say this. Being involved in a group is incredible. Because you know what? If you're carrying the ball and, and somebody's closing in on you, you've got some, somebody right there beside you that blocks them out. And I mean they level that person for you. Are you with me? Say amen. I'm speaking metaphorically, you understand. But, but here's the deal. You can't do life alone. By yourself, Ecclesiastes said, you're unprotected. So if you're not in a small group, you're unprotected. You don't have any blockers. You don't have any tacklers. But with a friend, you can face the worst. That's what Ecclesiastes said. And a group of three is better because a rope braided with three strands is not easily snapped. What is it when it's one or two or three? Jesus said, there I'll be in the midst. Jesus said that's a small group. I want to tell you something. We've seen more growth happen through groups. Now, I know we've had one or two that, that, that sort of flowered out, didn't work out well. Let me say this. Remember, fail fast. Realize that didn't work. Hold your head up and get back on the horse. That's the only way you can do it. For every one that, that flowered out, we've had several more that went big. Lots of people that have come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let me say this to you. As you stand with me, I want us to be in community together. It was not by accident that we refocused in the first month of this year. It was very intentional that we refocus and we get our mind where it needs to be. So that after I preach this message today on Super Bowl Sunday, we can set some goals by faith. And on the 19th, we'll be ready to kick off a series that will truly transform us spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, financially, and vocationally. And this is the key to it. So let me say this. I want to open, as PJ gets ready to sing something for me, there's already people that have signed up. Right now, we're not doing electronic sign-ups right now everything is paper we had a couple of glitches that messed us up in the sign-up process and so we're we're going back to what we know for fact worked there's a lot of you here but right now I'm going to pray and then I'm going to ask you if you would take the moment take the time to step out all the groups are the exact same everything is the exact same it's just a matter of where it's at and perhaps who's and even even whoever's leading it is probably going to bounce around the room a little bit if you're interested in saying, hey, Pastor, I'll help facilitate one of these, surely I can, uh, I, you know, if I can read this book, if I can turn on the DVD and serve something to drink, good to go. Um, let's pray. Lord, I love you. I believe, Lord, in small groups. I believe in life groups. I have seen tremendous, tremendous growth. And I believe many of it come through people that came together in group like this. So right now, speak to your people. In the name of Jesus, set their hearts ablaze to be where two or three are gathered in Jesus' name. As PJ's singing for me right now, I'm going to ask those who are leading groups to come and stand behind the group that you're leading. And let me ask everybody out there, I would to God that every man, woman, boy, and girl, that everybody would be signed up in some group or other.
Would you come as he's singing right now?